Hi, my name is Jan Wilczek from thewolfsound.com. Welcome to Wolf Talk, a podcast about audio programming. In this podcast, you will learn how to build your career in programming or research related to audio, meet programmers and researchers from all around the world, and learn about the intricacies of sound. Hi everyone and welcome to the 8th episode of the Wolf Talk podcast. Today I have a very special guest for you. His name is Prashant Mishra. So as a little bit of a background, I met Prashant at the Audio Developers Conference 2022 in London and we instantly connected. We decided that we need to do a podcast episode together and I'm happy to announce that it actually worked out. All the people, places and references that we mentioned with Prashant in this podcast episode can be found under dewolfsound.com slash talk008. Once again, dewolfsound.com slash talk008. And now, Prashant Mishra. Hi Prashant, thanks for agreeing on this interview. Could you introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, hi Jen, uh, thanks for having me. Uh... I mean, I'm not very sure like how to introduce myself because yeah, I mean, it's, it gets tricky. Uh, so I'm, I think I'd like to think myself as uh, an audiophile uh, where I like to listen to sounds around me. I like to record sounds, create music, create sound design and all that. Uh, professionally, I've been working as an audio director uh, for an ad tech company based out of India. Uh, where one of my role was to handle uh, all of the uh, direction for audio uh, with respect to videos, educational videos and games uh, and all that. Uh, and one of the interesting collaboration was uh, with Disney, uh, where I was working on a lot of their IPs and creating sound design and everything for Disney's IP based games. Uh, I'm also like a little bit of an audio geek uh, in the sense that I am very much uh, interested in what's happening in the audio tech domain, uh, what new applications are coming in, what new plugins are getting released, uh, what more we can do basically, uh, which is, I think one of the reasons why I also got into making small applications of my own, which I was using in my previous organization as well. Uh, and that kind of led me into deciding, okay, let me just go ahead and do this a lot more. Uh, so, which is what I'm doing right now. I'm building audio applications uh, and I'm figuring out ways that the whole process of audio can basically be improved and it can be extended to all other aspects of production, like whether it is collaborating with writers, uh, directors, producers, uh, and making sure that the audio communities uh, get that access in a way that is kind of uh, still at the moment uh, a bit like isolated, meaning the audio community prefers to work in like a small group, uh, not interacting much with anybody else. So I'm just trying to figure out how we can like uh, improve that, which is where, why I'm also uh, involved a lot into training people with respect to sound design, uh, game audio, interactive audio and all that, where apart from just uh, discussing about audio, uh, one of the aim is to also give them visibility into what happens 
for the rest of the departments like how do writers come together and write a story uh, and how can we make sure that we become a part of that process so yeah i mean that's pretty much kind of sums up where i am at at the moment yeah that's like a very very rich portfolio and very rich bio i i already have a ton of questions about it uh could we maybe go to the very beginning like where where did your interest in music start and when did the technology enter this interest uh yeah i think this goes back to my childhood i'd say uh because i i remember like uh my my father used to get a lot of cassettes um uh anytime a new movie is released a new album is released uh, we we'll within a month or so or within a few weeks at that time i, I mean the Uh, logistics were not that quick uh, so within a month we used to have uh, audio cassettes and then i used to play uh, and we'll basically play the cassette on loop like for for days uh, <laughs> if really like a song uh, i'll kind of uh, in the tape deck if you know there there used to be this kind of value that will show up analog value uh, which you can remember okay at this point of time this is the song that plays and you cannot actually skip songs So I used to memorize those value and I used to fast forward to that stamp and then play that. So uh, in a way, like I was kind of a music buff, uh, and uh, at the same time, I knew how to like kind of tackle technology in my favor, if if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember in my childhood there was like this song uh, by a famous composer in India uh, whose name is A R Rahman, and uh, he has composed this song called Oh Hum Dum Soniyore. I'll I'll send you the link of that song. It's <laughs> and uh, my father got the cassette and he he actually was traveling and when he came back he had the cassette with him and then uh, i remember him waking me up at 5 am in the morning and just playing that that's that uh, that that cassette and the song actually comes on the b side of the cassette there used to be that concept right a side b side mm-hmm. and uh, when you play that cassette uh, i think within 4 seconds the song starts and when the song started i i mean i completely woke up i mean <laughs> kind of sleepy but the moment the song started i was completely awake and i was i loved it so much so i think that's if i try to remember that's one of the specific point where i definitely got interested into the nitty gritties of music like the concept of beats uh, the bass line the the instruments that are playing along with the voice so that's where i think it all started uh, and then eventually when i got into college uh, i was doing mechanical engineering uh, but i also had this uh, this weird uh, uh, fantasy that i want to have my own music band uh, because i have been like a huge linkin park fan and a mike shinoda fan and i also wanted to have a band so i started looking for people who i can collaborate with uh, i was uh, i had like learned a little bit of keys in my childhood so i knew i can bring that aspect uh, but for a band you need more people right you need drummers you need bass guitarists and a lot of other things so that's when i actually reached out to a few of my college seniors and asked like uh, how how can i build that community like how can i find people and that's where one of my college senior actually introduced me to a doc called FL Studio which is pretty famous right now uh, and has been like for like a long time and uh, that's when i realized okay i can actually just make my own music in my laptop uh i mean for sure i mean i need more people if i ha- have to have a band and if you have to perform live but if i don't have 
at access to those people at the moment i don't have to actually wait i have access to the drums to the guitars to the keys and everything in the software and that kind of fascinated me so the college singer that i'm talking about his name is vishal ayer and he is a great drummer he is a great keyboard player and i think he is specifically the person who kind of introduced me into this world of audio technology and since then it has fascinated me a lot and yeah i mean that that's i think the introduction of me to audio tech and before that the arm on song was kind <laughs> of the nudge that pushed me into this music domain okay yeah and and uh, i can in relate in that sense that when you use this stuff then uh, if you have a certain mindset then you're starting to think okay like but what's behind like could i maybe make my own device <laughs> my own piece of software that does something similar and Uh, when was this moment uh, for you? Then you decided, okay, maybe I could create something that uh, would even like boost my productivity. Uh, yeah, I think uh, over the years, like as I use more and more DAWs, uh, more plugins, uh, I also kind of realized that uh, there were few things that I mean, all the applications are basically audio oriented, and there were many, like there were very few at the moment that were production oriented where things can be automated right uh, if you want to do a bunch of things uh, is there a way that we can club them together uh, i mean i was not aware of keyboard maestro and other automation tools at the moment but i felt that okay there are ways where we can actually build something that will enable us to do that at the same time i while i was uh, exploring fs studio i came to know about this uh, platform called uh, dsp robotics which has mm-hmm. which has an application called flowstone uh, which is basically uh, a node based uh, system where you can actually make your own synth and uh, i remember like trying it for the first time and it, it allows it's like kind of similar to uh, max uh, in a way mm-hmm. not as versatile but it allowed me to have like a basic ui and like have some functionalities arpeggiator and uh, oscillators and everything and i remember i made my first like synth plugin with that uh, and i was fascinated and i i still remember like creating some bell sounds in that and i made a melody with that and it was much more uh, uh what do you say fulfilling in the mm-hmm. sense that i'm not just making my own music but i'm using my own software to make my own music and then i thought okay this is just a feeling that i'm getting because i'm making i have access to this plugin right if i actually send this to my friends or some people outside and then in the future they will probably make use this to make their own music and then in a way i would have helped them in their creative process mm-hmm. uh, and so i think it it felt more or less like instead of you being uh, say the artist you are making the tools like the pencils different shades of pencils for the artist that they eventually use to make something right and that fascinated me even more because i was like okay i can actually design something that is much more useful for someone uh, and in the future they'll make something that that was based out of something that i created so yeah i mean the whole uh, chain actually like was super fun and that that concept i think has stuck with me since then and i think this is where i started exploring more into building audio tools and building some kind of automation tools Uh, yeah so i think yeah for sure i think that that would be a moment so uh, it's actually awesome because like this software is now a legacy right that uh, that like continues on 
uh, through generations, ideally. But I also think it's a, it's a great way to explain someone what is audio programming, actually, because people uh, outside of our industry, they sometimes ask what I'm doing. And I'm saying that I'm a programmer in the field of uh, sound processing. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I process sound with software. And they're like, oh, you work in a studio and you're a sound engineer, right? I say, no, actually, I'm a person who creates tools for sound engineers. And uh, I think it, that's exactly the way that, that you described. And drawing on this, like, when was the first moment that you, after graduation, that you entered, you know, uh, the audio industry, maybe not necessarily as, as a programmer in this field, but where, uh, when, when was your job uh, eventually related to audio? Uh, yeah, I think, uh, so like, like I said, uh, during college is when I started exploring different doors. So I was actually making a lot of music at that time, uh, a lot of sound design at that time, but it was not like a paid gig. It was more like I make something, I up either upload it on SoundCloud or I just send it to my friends. Uh, and I actually used to time it with like friends birthdays. So if somebody's birthday is coming up, I'll just make a track and gift it to them. So I do all of that. Uh, but nice. professionally, I actually moved into uh, this domain in 2015, which is like not so long ago. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's where I uh, started working as a sound designer in the start, like not even a sound designer. My main focus in the starting was uh, cleaning up the voice, making sure that the voice is balanced and it doesn't have noise and all of that, the basic stuff. And eventually I learned and explored sound design, followed by music composition, followed by mixing, mastering, and all of that. I wouldn't say mastering. Yeah, I mean, uh, I know a lot of people just use mixing and mastering together, but it's a whole different concept. So I got into mixing. Uh, and then I started, uh, because I was also hiring more people in the team I was building, I was able to actually get into direction because then... I'll be able to work with a group of sound designers and music composers and mix engineers and guide them into what a specific story needed. And that's where I think my uh, journey has been. So, yeah. Awesome. And uh, so, so there you went into this also kind of management role, right? Yeah. So when you're, when you're orchestrating, right, that, uh, the, the, the mm, cooperation, or maybe maybe I should ask something different. So for for people who are like completely new to this, how would you shortly define maybe sound design? What what is sound design? Yeah, I think yeah. I mean that's a that's a very philosophical question. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I'm sorry, but <laughs> in the in the way like uh, let's imagine that we would need to explain it to somebody. Okay, so if it is uh, for someone who does not know about the audio domain at all, uh, sound design is a way. Uh, where we add life to the picture that we see on the screen, which is, for example, if you are, if you, if there's an image on the screen, which is just an image, there's no animation, there's no, no visuals and say it's of a mountain, right? It's a scene of a mountain where you, and there is a river under it and something like that. If you look at that image, you can imagine a lot of things, uh, it can probably take you to a memory in your childhood where you actually visited a similar place or something like that, or you, it could be anything, right? Mm -hmm. But the moment you add a sound to it, like for example, an ambient sound of a slightly a river sound of subtle river flowing, a little bit of wind, maybe a few bird sounds or something like that. That is when you actually get immersed in that picture. That is when you know that you are exactly in the place that's existing in that in the scene that you're watching. 
until then you could imagine any sound that until then you could be anywhere in the world but with the sound we can actually convey that this specific scene that you're watching is of this country without you even realizing so i think this is what sound design is you basically add life to the picture you try to communicate a story in a subconscious way which is slightly beyond what the visual is communicating to the users to the viewers basically mm-hmm. i keep saying users these days <laughs> so that's what how i would define like sound design in like a short term uh, but anyone who basically wants to get into this domain professionally uh, and want to learn sound design is basically a process where you decide what a specific scene or a game or a podcast or a story requires and then you create the ambiences or the effects required for it it could be through recording your own sounds placing it and then kind of uh, tweaking it just to make sure it sounds the right texture and everything which is required for the story or it could be just using some sound libraries or it could be using some synthesizers to make your own sound effects and then using them in in the context so yeah i mean professionally that's the process is that but philosophically and approach wise yeah it's all about adding life to the visuals yes, it's beautiful so so you would you say that it's like uh sound design is is something that should reinforce that should support other senses through which we perceive certain certain things so then uh like i i i'd say that most popular applications are uh are movies right mm-hmm. video games and probably some art installations right as uh, are there and and as you said like all the podcast audiobooks and, and etc uh are there any like very important application areas that that are missed that are, that i missed from this list uh Uh, I think yeah I mean this covers more or less everything I mean uh, even if you consider VR and metaverse and all of that it also comes in the visual side of things but I think sound effects also plays a major role when it comes to conveying a specific message in the real world for mm-hmm. the sound of the ambulance the sound of the sirens uh, even those are designed specifically to make sure that they sound like something is going wrong uh It, they will always give you a feel of okay, something is not right. Even the sound uh, that we see, in, like listen in the hospitals, right, for the heartbeat and something like that. So there are multiple other applications that you can think of, uh, and this is also actually an area that's booming uh, for anyone who want to research. Medical uh, domain is actually kind of figuring out how they can use sound to, for example, uh, make sure that their ambience in the hospital is slightly calm. especially for patients who might get triggered with loud noises and everything so yeah that could also be like one of the application area of sound design yeah that's amazing that is like so practical and and so useful and i think it's 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 simply it's simply beautiful uh so to just uh, maybe uh then clarify uh because i heard this term and i i'm not a sound designer i'm not in this field so so that's uh, that's a newbie question in the sense that what is the difference between uh, technical sound design and non-technical sound design so that's a term that i that i've heard recently and i'd like to know like what's the precise difference between the two okay yeah i think that's a good question i think a lot of people are slightly confused about it uh, and there is actually an overlap between sound design and like the non-technical sound design and the technical sound design uh, 
I mean, there's nothing non-technical anyway. You're using plugins, <laughs> but yeah, uh, like from a job perspective and like from a work perspective, I think we should compare this slightly with the visual media. Okay, uh, in the sense that, so if you have, uh, if you're aware of uh, video applications like uh, After Effects or any animation tool, mm-hmm. uh, where an animator would basically create something and then render it as a video, mm-hmm. the video is then played back. for uh the users the the viewers and anybody else that's kind of one side of one way of doing it right when it comes to games for example the animations could be implemented in a different format where the vfx like if there is a uh, animation of uh, a gunshot or maybe mm-hmm. a bomb blast or even a confetti like uh, exploding those might be approached in a different way wherein uh you would be using some kind of game engine like unity or unreal and then you will be like uh, adding some kind of animation there and it actually plays in real time in the game so i think that's where i think the 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 job is also like kind of uh, differentiated between animator and then i think it's called technical uh, artist uh, something like that so so similar concept applies even for games uh so what happens is if you are a sound designer who is creating sounds and then uh exporting it and and implementing it in any of the game engines mm-hmm. the usual approach but there are also uh, areas where you would actually use a different uh aspect of uh creating sounds and that is uh, like something called procedural audio like this one of the examples where you will use tools like meta sounds uh or something like uh game synth by sugi studio and you'll you'll basically create notes or you'll basically write some commands either in the programming language or using some kind of note based system uh in which the sounds will basically be created with those with that code uh, that is generated and not per se with an exported audio file that's just just getting played back and i think that is where the technical sound design aspect of uh, uh, the game actually comes up uh, and it has its own advantage so for example if you use audio files uh, the game size could actually increase a lot uh, which is where these kind of procedural audio techniques kind of work uh, and and tools like meta sounds also work because in that case you just have a code which is like a very short version like it's like maybe 1 kb at that's also like i'm t- telling a long version or maybe like within a few kbs but because it's based on code the sounds will be generated in real time during gameplay uh, so yeah i mean there are pros and cons uh, like for example how realistic can you make a sound using those techniques is of, always like a, a challenge so there are always a pros and cons of it but i would say like this is like overall like on a on a higher level the difference between the technical sound designer and a sound design uh, i guess what i understood is that basically the moment that the sound designer starts introducing some logic to how the sound plays and this logic can be in the form of a graphical system as you said node based connecting nodes uh writing instructions in a programming language or working more intensively with the game engine and and the code that runs the game that's the kind of uh, boundary that uh, actually technical sound design starts and uh can we can we go back to your uh to your career for a second now so uh 
when you when you started working in sound design and then you started orchestrating, as you said, the the cooperation of of musicians and sound designers, then uh, what exactly? You already mentioned it a little bit about this communication problem. Like, but what were what were the challenges there, and how did you overcome them? Okay, okay, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good question. I'll actually just uh, uh, just clarify on one part which we discussed about mm-hmm. technical sound design. So. Actually, any sound designer would be using a logic when they're designing sounds for the game. Okay. Have the whole criteria in their mind or documented that this is the situation where this sound effect will play. And if at all something else happened, then this sound will overpower it. Okay. Voicing would basically change and and all of that. So logic is, I think, there in both the approaches. But technical sound design is more of slightly a little bit of coding oriented, uh, slightly more towards the game engine side versus staying in the audio domain. So yeah, I think that's just... Okay, thanks. Thanks. And so I think when it comes to uh, like organizational uh, Mm -hmm. part of my career, uh, I think managing uh, people and tasks is a different skill set as compared to creative uh, uh, work. And I mean, for sure, leadership and management is also has like some creativity involved, but it's a different type of creativity. Mm-hmm. Actually has nothing to do with your understanding of sound design, for example. So if, so basically my role was actually in the beginnings kind of was overlapped between both the aspects, wherein I was managing a team of few people, but at the same time I was, I was also making creative decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in that case, uh, my approach always has been how do we figure out a workflow? How do we uh, w- uh, figure out a pipeline and process that is as streamlined as possible and as scalable as possible? Mm-hmm. If at the moment there are say five members in the team and we have we are working on a few set of like number of videos or number of games per week or per month and we have like a few targets in mind, what can be the process that will allow us to scale this up? Like I think the, a lot of uh, people who start out working as a solo uh, sound designers, they'll understand mm-hmm. this better because what happens is when you're working solo, right? Your project session, the way you name something, it's all in your control. You make yeah. decisions. You are basically yeah. CEO of your own uh, process, right? The moment you bring in just one more person, and I'm not talking about five more people, just one more person, the entire concept changes. You now have to be aligned with the way that other person feels comfortable. Is this the folder structure that they prefer? Is this how they would want to do their specific task? Is this the time of the day when they get ideas? Is like, do they, are they more creative before lunch or after lunch? So it it actually boils down to that nitty gritty, right? And which is where I think the management side of things actually kicks in, where uh, you have to smartly plan what works out. uh, how, How do we make sure that any kind of blockers are taken care of. Uh, how do we make sure that for the project that you have at hand, the team is trained and has the right skill. And if they don't, how do you plan the training se- sessions? How do you make sure that everybody is always enthusiastic to learn more and, and all of mm-hmm. them. And all of this actually also is in parallel to their personal issues, the family side of issues or they might be having just a bad day, for example. So I think the management side of work that I had done was more about that domain where while I'm also keeping a track of the creative process and making sure that all the standards are maintained quality wise, 
I also have to understand everybody's point of view. And that was a great experience because it kind of uh, makes the whole process a little more human uh, where you actually understand that yeah, everybody has their own problems. Everybody will have a good day and a bad day. Just because one person is doing an amazing sound design at a specific day and they did not do the same quality of work the next day does not mean there is any kind of issue with their skill set. It's just that mm -hmm. it did not click and the next day it will. But you have a product to maintain. So how do you make sure that somebody else helps the other person out at that specific moment and you figure something out? So, yeah, I mean, if, if and I think in the, in the game industry and in the professional industries uh, where everything is kind of structured, uh, this is actually a different role. You will notice that game studios have something called audio producers uh, who would actually not be doing sound design more or less, but they'd mm -hmm. be extremely well oriented with all the departments in the, in the team. Uh, they'll be in regular touch with uh, the sound designers, the, the producers, the other producers, understanding the requirement, understanding the timeline when they have to uh, like deliver something. So it's a different skill set. And I think this is something that also people are not aware of. Everybody who wants to get into the uh, game domain or any audio domain, mm -hmm. they just think that, okay, we, we just sound design is the only entry point or music composition is the only entry point. It's not. If you think you are someone who is a skilled people's person that you can always influence people in a good way, you can always like uh, uh, solve conflicts and all that. That's a, that's a major skill set that is actually looked after, uh, in mm -hmm. any industry, it could be even a big audio company as well, where they might have a good set of, uh, say programmers, the coders, but then they, you always need a product manager and a project manager who can actually bring them all together. Mm -hmm. so yeah. I mean, that was a fun thing for me. And I would actually encourage a lot of people who want to get into the audio industry to also consider that if, if it's their, uh, area of uh, interest cool cool that's really that's really amazing and i believe i believe it's it's it, it may be maybe difficult also from my experience of, of working in different teams that definitely requires a lot of uh, compassion and a lot of uh, thought to uh, you know be aligned with everyone in the team yeah and uh what i understand is it like did uh, that from from there on did you get the chance to work with disney actually uh Okay, so could you maybe describe like the whole situation? How did it start and like, what was it like? What was it about? Uh, yeah, so uh, I mean, without like, uh, uh, while making sure that I'm not speaking anything <laughs> and I'm not supposed to be as part of NDA and all that, uh, I was basically working and collaborating with uh, the Disney publishing worldwide department of Disney, uh, where my role was to have regular discussions with them and figure out how the games that we are building for their IPs can actually have the right kind of sound design that is Disney approved. Uh, and Disney approved in the sense that not from a, uh, what is it called? The legal point of view, but rather storytelling point of view. So for example, if you are d designing a sound design, like if you're making sounds for the IP cars, mm -hmm. the sound should be so good and so relevant to that story that even if you play just one sound effect without context, and if you just ask anyone like which Disney movie that you, do you think this belongs to? They should definitely say cars. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be an engine sound 
by the way it could be any sound so one of my uh, main area of work was to discuss with disney and also kind of give them confidence that the sound design for these ips can actually be done here in india which was actually one of the fun challenge that i i, I think i had uh, because generally what happens is any big uh, brand is always very protective of their ips their content and they are very particular about making sure that whatever is getting created for their brand and for their uh, specific ips that they have is very precise and that's what they are mm-hmm. they are where they are right disney is disney because they have so much attention to detail when it comes to storytelling if it's a specific character what sound does it have mm-hmm. does it walk what color tone does it prefer in its clothing and all that so they are very much very much particular about it and for them to just allow anybody in the world to just design design sounds for their ip is not like an, an immediate thing right you have to prove that okay you are actually on the same page as they are you understand their guidelines you are aware of the story as well as they are right so that is was that was my main area in the beginning when i uh, like when i was assigned this specific project and i think i took uh, about a month or so uh, working on ips like brave and monster sing uh, creating sound design for that discussing uh, with the person on disney's end uh, making sure that they know that i know what they are looking for and once all of that worked out once the team was actually happy with what was created that's when my next role came in where i basically scale this up i i uh, do a little bit of knowledge transfer sessions with a bunch of people in the team so that they can also understand the approach and then we can basically work on all of the games and videos that we were working on so it was actually a, a fun project i think it has been like a, a great learning experience because uh you get to understand the level of detail uh i mean the, the fact that the sound of elsa's magic has a very specific sound the the fact that olaf the cloud that olaf has on floating on above him has a specific sound and it is only for that specific cloud you cannot use it anywhere else it just is amazing i mean i would love if if there is a game Uh, ip getting created for example or a new comic book that is getting written or a new audio book or a podcast being written i think this is one of the best approach and it is exactly the concept of sonic branding where if there is a sound for intel it is just for intel it will never be for anything else and i loved that concept it 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 just uh, blew me away like when i was exploring all of that uh so yeah that that was basically like in brief uh, how much i can reveal about my work with disney amazing amazing thank you so much and like uh, after after such an experience like is it possible to to like go even further so like what was your next big step in the uh let's say audio space yeah i think so i mean i have like a few over the years because i've been working and i've seen i see the thing is like i said if i am an audio buff so i actually have explored almost every door i know almost every plugin that exists in the world uh and i'm i think probably the first to use the plugins and i think if you go to youtube when you see any new you probably see my comment there uh, and this <laughs> for any product right and i actually take pride in this and i think when i met a lot of people at audio developer conference uh, in london where i met you as well uh 
I was really happy to actually tell this to the developers that, okay, see, I know your plugins uh, and I've been using it for a long time and this has actually helped me in my work. And you should definitely see the shine on their face at that moment. <laughs> uh, I mean, I remember seeing the same with Benjamin, uh, the creator of Accentize, and I think I posted about it on LinkedIn as well. So yeah, I mean, that's one of the area of where I'm currently focusing on, making sure that the audio tech and the music tech industry grows as much as possible making sure that more people are uh, having access to it so that there are more ideas coming into picture. So there are a lot of sound designers who have a, like great plugin ideas, great workflow ideas. So mm -hmm. they are able to actually create something of their own, which I think you are also helping a lot with your YouTube channel. So I, 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 oh, thank you. <laughs> I think I've been playing your channel for a while now. Imagine like if there are more people who have an idea in their head and they're able to make a product out of it, whether it is for commercial purposes or just for their own specific work as an individual or as a studio or as a group of people that will open up a lot of possibilities. And then you, somebody will create something in one part of the world and then it will be extremely useful to somebody else in other part of the world. So that is, I think an important area, which I feel should be focused on. And I think the ADC community and everybody involved there and the wolf sound, and I think the audio programmer, everyone is doing their bit to make sure that it, it becomes easy. The yeah, exactly. thing I'm very much uh, focused on is making sure that there's a little more awareness about audio when it comes to India. Uh, because even in my journey, when I had to decide that I want to use, I mean, switch to the audio industry uh, after doing a mechanical engineering was kind of a shock <laughs> to my family and friends. And till date, I keep getting asked this question. Uh, if you had to go into audio, why did you do mechanical engineering and all that? It's just that people don't know how much of the Fourier transform concepts actually gets applied in the audio industry. How much of mechanical engineering is the math that we study there is actually immediately implemented in the whole concept of waves and oscillations and everything. That is something that people are not aware of. Uh, so I just want to make sure that there is awareness of the audio industry in general. There is a little more uh, access to the game audio domain, which is still picking up in India, but is still not there. So, and the audio tech and music tech for sure, uh, because there are a lot of good developers in India and there are a lot of good musicians in India. There are a lot of good musicians in India who have done a degree in computer science and mm -hmm. there are a lot of developers in India who are interested in music. And both of these kind of people are immediately the kind of people who would, who should basically make something and explore the music tech domain. Right. So yeah, I, that's one of my, uh, so th that's the second aim. Uh, one is basically to have, uh, make more people get into this domain of audio tech and everything and improve awareness of the same in India. And okay. I'm anyways, uh, doing the, I'm building audio products. I'm working with soundly at the moment and, uh, they are an amazing bunch of people and we are kind of planning a lot of features and I'm working on them. So yeah, it's, it's a bunch of things, uh, I mean, uh, on the way. Uh, so yeah. I'm not sure like yeah. which one to pinpoint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. You're very, very uh, active in this area. And I really appreciate this, uh, this as well, because it also helps to uh, boost confidence in, in people who want to enter, enter this industry. So there's one, one thing that, um, that I noticed um, from your profile is that you're also uh, a certified uh, wise, dev wise instructor. Does, is it, 
Is it correct? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So could you maybe tell a little bit about uh, what is Wise and what you do in this domain? Yeah. So basically, Wise is an uh, uh, middleware which basically allows an interface to the sound designers and music composers, which they're kind of familiar with, and makes them not to worry about the coding side of things. And okay. So it it is basically bridging the gap between the creative. Uh, people and the developers uh, who would basically be integrating all of that into the actual game engine. Now, what happens a lot of times, uh, and I think this is a, uh, a myth or something that, or just an assumption that people have when it comes to game audio, that if you want to do game audio, if you want to get a job in game audio, you have to learn mm -hmm. coding, which is not mm -hmm. true. Uh, within Unity, you can do a lot of things. Within Unreal Engine, you can do a lot of things without having to learn or do even a single line of code ever. Uh, all you need to understand is the basics of how to use Unity, mm -hmm. where you'll just drag and drop sounds, uh, create snapshots, have even the mixer values, even the side chain, ducking, effects, reverb, everything is there. And I think Wise kind of expands those functionalities by providing even more features like how do you set up a, a music loop which basically transitions uh, based on a specific criteria in the game while also staying in rhythm. Uh, so without like crossfading, for example, mm -hmm. and things like uh, how can you even uh, make sure that all of the sounds that you have implemented in the game uh, is in the budget, in the, the required size uh, and all of that. So there are a bunch of functionalities that Vice adds on. Uh, and it's not just Wise actually, even FMOD and any uh, middleware basically that exist. And uh, a lot of people are also not aware that most of the big studios have their own tools, uh, even though they would mention in the job description that you need to know Wise. Uh, the message that they want to convey is you need to have an understanding of audio implementation. But mm -hmm. they just write Wise uh, and then people freak out. Oh, should I get <laughs> no compulsory? No, obviously not. Like uh, it's not like a degree, right? This audio domain actually is the one specific area where degree is not very relevant as long as you know what you're doing. And the game, the same applies for game audio. So I think uh, I, I became a Wise certified instructor primarily to make sure that I know how to teach Wise to somebody else. But that's about it. There's no other uh, reasoning to, okay, I need to get a job and that's why I, ha I have a certification. It's not that criteria at all because I have been on the recruitment end for a long time now. And I can tell you a lot of people who just have like a sound engineering degree or something like that might sometimes know less than people actually have who have learned on their own. Uh, and this is the same even with certifications. So you can do a, any certifications in the world that you want. But if you are not actually working on your craft, if your portfolio is not good enough, it might not work out. So yeah, I mean, Vice is a middleware. I mean, just to answer your question, I kind of got deviated, uh, similar to FMOD and similar to many others that exist. Uh, and it kind of adds on to the functionalities and makes it easier for the musicians and sound designers to focus on their craft and not worry about the coding side of things. It awesome. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks a lot. And it's, and again, it's, uh, it's a really uh, interesting thing. And like when you educate other people, like how do you do it? Like uh, in what, what way do you have like one-on-one -on -one lessons or do you have a group or do you have like a course or something like this? 
Uh, so as of now, actually, I'm uh, uh, doing a bunch of things. So I think you would have seen the uh, sessions that we are doing with uh, GameAudioLearning.com, where uh, mm -hmm. Greg Lester and I are basically take taking sessions uh, every month, where we just talk about the functionalities of Y step by step for beginners, and we are like simplifying it to the basic level so that everybody understands. And we are actually going to increase the uh, frequency of that. I mean, we are going to do it a little more often because what we realized is if you do it monthly, people kind of lose momentum and that, that's what we don't want. Uh, so yeah, we want to encourage people to continue that. The other thing that I'm also doing is I'm taking some private sessions with a few people who I know of who want to get into the game audio domain. And uh, for them, I have just set up like a daily one and a half hours to two hours, something like that, where I teach the same thing that I'm teaching uh, with the gameaudiolearning.com. But this is something uh, which is very much inclined towards making sure that they are immediately eligible to make the switch to the game audio domain because they are mm -hmm. looking out for jobs and they have like less time to do that. So yeah. I'm just doing a little bit of private sessions, but all of that is all free. Uh, my aim, like I said, is to make sure that there are more people who are doing game audio stuff in India, uh, because I think that's when the confidence of all the big companies would increase, uh, that they, yeah, there are, there is an audio community existing even in India. You should always like turn your head there. Like, right. So that's the aim. Uh, but yeah, I mean, these are the only two areas that I'm teaching at, at the moment. Okay, cool. Thanks. And so I have a very specific question to you also in regard to, to education and starting out. So let's assume uh, someone approached you and they wanted to become a technical sound designer. And I, I specifically mean a technical sound designer mm -hmm. uh, as a person who works also with code. So what would you say uh, are the necessary skills that they need to uh, have to get an entry level job as a technical sound designer? Yeah. So I think, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, the first and foremost, if somebody is getting into the technical sound designer, I would say, and if it is just for games, is, that's the domain you're mentioning, right? Okay. So first thing is they should have yeah. a good. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's assume, let's assume that it's for games. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the, the first th thing would be for them to be passionate about games and have an understanding of game audio in general, because that's, that's the prerequisite. You cannot code for any kind of sound design and anything if you don't understand game audio. So that's the first prerequisite. The second would be they need to have a good grasp of programming, at least in one language, preferably C++ or C sharp, because I think that's the one that's used in unity. And I think also, uh, it, it would help them, uh, even transition into a different language, but they should have an understanding of the basic con concepts, whether it's object oriented programming or just the, uh, how the code actually works in RAM, how the CPU gets used and all of that, the basic things should be something they should be aware of. And there are a bunch of good courses uh, on Udemy, I think, uh, which I'm happy to mention, share the links with you if you want to like attach with your Perfect. podcast. Perfect, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, just know at least one programming language. Again, you don't have to worry about learning everything because the concepts remain the same, just the syntax changes. So one programming language you need to be thorough with. Uh, and I think understand how do you design sounds using code? So a little bit of understanding of math is going to be helpful. So you should be comfortable in writing your own math functions or figuring out how to create math functions. So whether it's using graph tools or, uh, 
whether it is using uh, MATLAB or anything that basically allows you to create sounds, that's another add-on. And the third thing, and the last thing that I think is a, is also a, like a major requirement is the ability to understand and create sounds using synths. Okay. Synthesizers have a lot of modules like oscillator, filters and everything. And the same thing is going to get applied in the code. Exact same, exact same analogy and uh, just just that it will be in code rather than a GUI, which you can also make a GUI for your own purposes and everything like that. But you need to have an understanding of how that works. And there are again, uh, 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 tutorials and resources that, that can actually enable people to do that. I think there's an application called Syntorial by Audible Genius. That's a brilliant tool to understand synthesis in general. It's not about programming, but it's about synthesis. And then mm -hmm. you can use those exact same skills when you're writing code or when you're defining the functions and you're connecting nodes and everything like that. So yeah, these, I think are the basic things that people should get comfortable with before they apply for a job in this domain. Awesome. So, so let's recap, like to get a, like a entry level job in the uh, technical sound design in the game industry, you need to have a passion for games. You need to have an understanding of how game engine works uh, also with, with audio. You need to know at least one programming language. And uh, you need to know how to uh, write, how to create sounds with code. Mm -hmm. And the last thing was that you need to know also how, uh, how to create sounds with synthesizers. So uh, if you have like normal plugin or an analog synthesizer, you need to know how to handle it. Perfect. That's very concrete. And I think that will be very helpful to a lot of people who are also considering such a transition. And uh, to maybe wrap this up, uh, I have a last question to you, which, uh, which, is, which is kind of a broader one, uh, but would you be able to somehow summarize this year's Audio Developers Conference? So for every, anyone listening in the future, it was Audio Developers Conference 2022 in London. What was your uh, impression after you came back to India? Uh, yeah, I think uh, I am still in the hangover of, the <laughs> to be frank, um, I'm, I'm, uh, also, uh, still jet lagged. So I'm also at the moment in the London time zone, am I <laughs> come back to India yet? <laughs> uh, but I think the audio developer conference, uh, I mean, not just this year, but throughout the years has been one of the most important event in the audio industry, hands down. There's nothing else that comes even close. Uh, this year specifically, I think it was much more meaningful for me because I attended in person uh, as compared to last year when it was just online. Even though online was also great, uh, in person was uh, just another experience. The fact that I actually got to meet a lot of creators of applications like Cycling, Max and Rainbow, uh, David basically, and a lot more people uh, from the industry, uh, meeting Joshua in person, meeting you in person, meeting a lot of people who I have known for years, uh, through social media. I think that was a great experience. Secondly, all of the sessions that I attended, which I could, because they were like in parallel at the same slot, but whichever I could attend, they were just brilliant to see in real time, like how everybody has made plugins that work in real time using machine learning and they can source separate a music, a song into different stems and it works immediately in your iPhone 
it just was amazing i mean i i am aware of the, all the research that's happening and all of the tools that are already available on the internet but to see that in real time with some good examples and to also see that developers are way too open to share that information with everybody else without hiding anything without worrying about any competition or something like that they are just frankly telling yeah this is what we did and accepting that this is the approach that they took where they failed and this is the approach that actually worked out and just making sure that it's known to everyone i think was one of the most like like uh, brilliant thing for me to uh, uh, like witness uh, at the event because a lot of people who are just starting out will probably do the same mistakes and they can actually learn from other people the other thing i think from the event was uh, the fact that nobody actually was carrying any of their designations with them so whether i had to reach out to bobby or or sophie or uh, derek from pace or anyone or andrew from pace for example nobody actually had this kind of uh, approach that hey i am you know i i am like this huge person in this big company uh, how how are you like talking comfortably with me nobody had that kind of attitude at all everybody was so open to helping so i think that was again something that i absolutely loved and i think this is that's going to be one of the main reason why i'll again attend uh, the event next year and to see a lot of students from different colleges and to get to know that they are a lot of uh, them were also sponsored there were a lot of diversity there were a lot of people who were playing music uh, physically challenged people uh, contributing directly to the audio community working with big, big companies to modify their tools so that they are also more accessible to see all of that in real time and in front of my eyes was just brilliant so yeah i mean frankly speaking audio developer conference i wish it was like more than 3 days because on the third day i did not <laughs> go back to my hotel i just want to keep on like hanging out with all everybody there uh and yeah i i just wish i was there <laughs> again yeah thank you thank thank you so much because uh, it's i i completely agree with all that you said so it's it's a really beautiful summary and i i wholeheartedly agree prashant thanks a lot for this interview uh, if someone listening to this wanted to reach out to you, where would you recommend they go? Uh, okay, so I am like pretty active on social media, like you would have seen. So uh, anyone who would want to connect with me can join me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'll send the links uh, to you. And you can. Yes. Uh, I'm also active on Twitter. And even though like everybody is ditching it, I'm still there. <laughs> uh, I, and you can always check out my website, which is prashantmishra.xyz where you will have links to all of my social media and information about what I'm working on. And I'll, I also kind of sometimes mention projects where I need more people. Uh, so if anybody's interested, can also check the website. So yeah, I mean, LinkedIn and Twitter is some, I think, I guess, the direct way for anyone to connect with me. And my website is where you can find information about what I'm doing right now. Okay, thank you. Thanks a lot. And I wish you all the best for, your, for all your future endeavors. Thanks so much, uh, Jan. I mean, uh, just like a, a shout out to your YouTube channel, Wolf Sound, because I, I think I remember showing it to you on my phone that I'm already a subscriber. <laughs> and the fact that you're doing and you're taking the time and you're teaching people and you're making sure that I think you're on the same mission, right? That you, like lowering the bar, the entry level bar for everybody. Exactly. Work that you're yeah. doing and I'm honored that you invited me for this call. <laughs> Likewise, and I'm honored that you agreed to have this talk with me. Thanks a lot. Awesome. Thanks.
Alright everyone, that was Prashant Mishra. Thanks again Prashant for this interview. I had a lot of fun doing it and I hope we'll have a chance to meet again in person soon. Once again, all the people, places and references mentioned in this podcast can be found at dwolfsound.com slash talk008 and there you'll also find the possibility on how to contact Prashant if you want to ask him something directly. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can of course give a like on YouTube, you can subscribe on YouTube and maybe turn on notifications, but you also you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review there, of course, if you like the podcast. Finally, I'd like to remind you that I have an audio plugin developer checklist for you, which you can find under dwolfsound.com slash checklist. It lists all the bits and pieces of knowledge that you need to become an audio developer. Thanks for tuning in and see you in the next one. Take care.